Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome back to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I'm your host and author, Julie Jancis. Friends, today we're doing something that we've never done before. So about once or twice a week, I either get an email or a DM over at, at Angel Podcast, and somebody says, Julie, I should have booked a reading with you, but I didn't, and I had a reading that just did not resonate whatsoever. And I wanted to air this podcast episode because I found a tape of a reading that I had when I was about 25, 26 years old. And I remember going into this reading because I just desperately wanted to hear that I was going to fall in love one day and it was all going to be okay. And I was going to find my partner and have a family. Like that's where my head was at that age. It's just, I was so lonely at that time. And that's what I desired most. So when I went into this reading and I, you know, my career at the time was just more a corporate America like job and I was totally in it. I really loved it at the time. That's what I wanted to keep doing. So as you're going to hear in this reading, you're going to hear a couple different things, but hindsight is 2020, right? So this reading was 16 years ago and you're going to hear a Julie at age 25 who is quiet, a little maybe meek, not the confident, outgoing Julie that you hear here today um, and that you've heard over the last five years on the podcast. So why am I showing you this? Because it didn't resonate, but it was totally accurate. I mean, this episode was just uh, or session was just above and beyond. And like listening back to it, um, I just think is so fun to show us how it doesn't matter who you go to. There are going to be times that you go in for a reading and you're like, wow, like that did not resonate at all. But if it's a loving, positive message, friends, a lot of times we just need some time or some space for spirit to show us what they were trying to communicate. And oftentimes at the beginning of those sessions or what those sessions are used for by spirit is to kind of open you up energetically to what is coming so that you can marinate in it. And it's not such a huge surprise once you get to it, because I got to tell you that I didn't think about becoming a healer ever in my life until I had this reading. And thank goodness this gentleman brought through what he needed to bring through from spirit instead of what I wanted to hear, because this is really the reason that when everything fell into my lap and my dad passed and all my gifts just were there before, but I didn't understand them. And I came into this immediate understanding of my gifts. What happened was I was ready to accept this as my life path and this as my life purpose, truly because of this one reading that you're going to about to hear with this gentleman. And friends, I typically wouldn't air a reading with someone 
with someone else uh, without their permission, but there's just like this blank cassette tape, right? And I don't have who it is, like the name of the healer. And it was just like downtown Chicago, randomly, I don't know if it was like 2005, 2006, somewhere around there. If you know the name of who this is, can you let me know? I would love to get in touch with this person and have them back on, uh, we'll have them on the podcast and get back in touch with them. But friends, today's podcast episode is for you. And I hope you see, feel the difference between this version of myself 16 years ago. And it shows you just how far we can come. Because in that 16 years, I went from not having a family, not having a partner, not having a child to everything really coming together within my life. And spirit wants you to know it's the same for you. So much can happen within your life so quickly. And for those of you who haven't heard me say it on the podcast, it was only um, about a month, month and a half after this reading that I ended up meeting my partner who is just so my person in this lifetime. So I hope that you enjoy this episode and um, share with me what you think over on Instagram at Angel Podcast. Would love to connect with you on it. Love you, friends. Have a beautiful, blessed day. Here is the session with me and the healer 16 years ago. Love you, friends. And all I'm doing right now is just taking a moment to do what's called match you, which is simply to find oh, your primary energy tone. And there's two vibrations that I see you vib kind of vibrating at right now that are your primary colors. And it's an orange and a yellow. They're, they're two separate colors. So I'm going to match those. One of the first things in that orange color that I'll mention and then I'll uh, read kind of a broader overview of you and your path is that not only are you a type A personality, a self-proclaimed in ways, um, you're a healer as well. And so when I look at your energy, that's one of the first things that I kind of sense in your energy is how much of a healer you are. Um, there's a lot of different ways to be kind of psychic, so to speak. Yeah, being a healer is one of them. Being a reader, an observer is another. Um, so as a, as a healer, you're a lot more probably apt to jump in and get involved and help and do things than like a reader tends to be more of a standoff watcher because that's reading in the sense is observing, where a healer tends to be more of an active um, getting into the middle of whatever's going on and and in a sense trying to fix it because that would be one way to to look at healing is taking something from point a to point b you know make it better right. and and have a progression and that side of you is so strong and, and coupled with that yellow which is um, very much a it's another aspect of being a healer but it's kind of a problem solver style of healing. So it's looking kind of tuned into 
the problem and then trying to solve it. Those are great, great abilities to have. And that's a great place to be. But in terms of like your question about a relationship, that lights up as one of the um, big energies that really affects you getting, not only getting in, not even so much probably getting into a relationship, or I shouldn't say that, maybe committing to it longer term. I mean, you know, dating is probably easy, but then to kind of find the right person that you can commit to. And then to sustain that, part of the difficulty with that has to do with being such a strong healer and problem solver because there's always something wrong with it. You're always looking for what's wrong and trying to fix it in any situation, but in a relationship, um, in, a, in a real cl- closed setting, that can be difficult because from where you're working, you might be trying to fix and change things that the other person doesn't necessarily want healed. So it never changes. So it just can lead to frustration uh-huh. to both parties. Because one feels like they're always wrong and trying, and they're always being problem solved on and fixed. And you feel like nothing's ever changing and, and it's never going to work because it's never right. Mm-hmm. And both of those perceptions come from this, what otherwise is this tremendous ability that you could use in a, you know, a job setting where you come in and really, you know, reorganize things and fix them and make them work right, um, to uh, this type of setting where you actually counsel people and, and heal them. Um, th- it's a really strong ability in one way, but when it gets all focused on one person all the time, then it, it actually begins to create issues rather than solve them. So that's kind of the first thing that's in your energy tone, that you have this tremendous ability, but the question of channeling it and how to control it is a big question for you. Or at least finding an outlet for it so that um, you can use it, you know, feel validated in your use of it, and you don't have to use it all the time in your relationship, basically. Yeah. But there's some other outlet, so there's a balance yeah, with that. So that that's kind of, like I say, an overview of where your energy is. So I don't know that it has so much to do... There are probably some issues with your parents getting divorced and, and that question of, you know, do I want to commit and get married and go through, you know... The, that pain, but I don't think that's the primary issue. There, some of that probably comes up. There's a little fear maybe there, um, but I don't think that's the big, the big, big thing. Yeah. It's there a little bit. I, I guess where it could become a little bit of a big thing for you is you do, in this nature of healing and being able to really problem solve very, very well, there's also very much an ideal image that you carry, or what, in a psychic term, what we've termed a perfect picture. Mm-hmm. So you have this image of the ideal, and when you look in that image, when you look at, say, your parents divorced, if that comes up as a memory or you're thinking about it, um, that might represent a kind of ultimate failure of that ideal. And so that would probably be the one place and it is really the one place where I see the the most fear or resistance in you creating your own relationship is 
that shattering of the ideal, that potential for that to happen, reverberates back through you a little bit, causes you to hesitate in really kind of, you know, in one way, it's so much up in a thinking level that it causes you to get separate from your heart to know what's, if it's really the right connection for you. So you overthink it in some ways, and you don't listen to your heart. In new relationships. In, in relationships, yeah. And, 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 yes, in new, in that question of, well, okay, do I, you know, really, like, what, what do they call it? Um, you know, make it that I'm going with this one person. So not just dating, checking out, like, going out for an evening, going, well, would I or wouldn't I? It's that next step where this big question comes up. Of, is this the right one or not? You look to that ideal more than to your own heart. And in looking to your own heart, you would get a different answer because it would be more about, is this not, is this the idealistic thing, but is this person in enough affinity with me? Am I in enough affinity with them to mutually build and create something with them? Because you have to be in that real strong affinity. So it's not that that input isn't there. It's just this other ideal tends to, and the fear around it, tends to override you listening to that true kind of affinity part of it. So you might actually run across someone that there's a tremendous affinity, and you'll know that to some extent, but then if you look through the ideal, they might there might be a few things that aren't quite right. And rather than, you know, say, okay, well, let, these are topics to discuss, things to iron out before, you know, we get married or something, but they shouldn't stop me at this point, but they do stop you. So, because, so anyway, that's, there's, you know, these two different forces going on in you, and the one that tends to win out isn't the one that's going to give you the answer of who's the person that I can really build something with. You know, and, and have it be long-term. Mm-hmm. Because it's never going to start out perfect. You have to work it out and create it as you go. And that only really works if there's a strong enough affinity and respect and caring mm-hmm. underlying. Then the rest of it can all work out yeah. if that underlying thing is there. Want to hear your spirit team clearly? With 12 brand new courses, my 2024 Archangel membership will cumulatively teach you how to go beyond seeing signs to deciphering spirits' messages for you and open you to abundance in every area of your life. Become an annual paying Archangel member, and I'm giving you two live bonus courses with me and quarterly group mentorship meetings. Members are invited to live recordings of the podcast with some of our top guests. For tons of new perks and special annual discount, use code ANGEL2024. Space is limited. Enrollment is first come, first served. DM me at Angel Podcast with any questions, and you'll hear back personally from my associate, Yvonne, or I. The Angels want to make 2024 your best year yet. Join today only on my website, theangelmedium.com backslash angel membership. 
Thank you so much for supporting this show. So, it, you know, and if it's the opposite to where, oh, it totally matches the ideal, but there's no affinity, that won't work because that total ideal is actually not a truth. It's just a facade. And once you get in knee deep in it, then you realize, oh, that was just the sales pitch. And, <laughs> and so here I am, and it's not what it was cracked up to be, and I don't even like them. I didn't go with the affinity. So, um, so you might have found yourself at the end of a relationship realizing, you know, I, I don't know that I ever really actually liked that person. I was going after this other part, this yeah. other thing. And by affinity, you mean? Liking. How, how that connection of just real raw, just comfortable liking of the person. Mm-hmm. So not sexual attraction, not, wow, they're really gorgeous, but just this liking. It's mm-hmm. affinity being that two things alike match up. Mm-hmm. And, and so that, that real strong connection. See, the, and that's part of the trick is there are other forces going on. There might be real strong sexual attraction in that, wow, they're gorgeous, you know, they're a hunk. So you've got that force going, but that doesn't mean that there's this liking. And then there might be, oh, they match the ideal. It would be the perfect husband or the perfect father, or it's an idealized picture. But again, it doesn't mean that there's this just raw, wow, I just like that person. For in whatever, however they look or do. So if they change, they turn out not to be the ideal, or if they you know, stop working out and gain 50 pounds, I'll still just like them. Mm-hmm. And that's what's missing sometimes because those other forces yeah. are kind of stronger and take over. Mm-hmm. Or you listen to them more or whatever. So it's tricky because you've got these, all these different forces are all you, you know, going on at one time and trying to match them all up. But to me, going with the following your heart as a starting point, gets you to the better place because then no matter what happens with the other levels you've still got this at least core liking which you could also call love but it's not lust i mean it's this true respect and love of for the person and that you like and also part of it is that when you find that then you like yourself when you're with them that's part of that affinity it's not just that you like them it's how much you really like yourself with them too. So I've got really strong <coughs> self confidence issues. Mm-hmm. And maybe that has a part of that too. Just being that ideal myself. There's a couple different ways I could answer that and look at it. And one of the ones that I see when you say that is you know, I'm talking about that ideal and how you apply that to other people. But in a lot of ways you apply that to other people or say a man that you're looking for or what have you um, less than you apply it to yourself. I mean, that ideal is really towards you. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, you're harder on yourself than that other person. Even They might say, oh my God, you're really hard on me, but they don't even realize that you're harder on yourself. Mm-hmm. And so that ideal, um, the, the thing that you're trying to live up to in a relationship, yeah, that's a whole other side of it. I mean, not only are you trying to make the relationship live up to something or that person, but the pressure you're putting yourself under can, you know, probably drive you nuts. That it just can become too much to be in a relationship Mm -hmm. uh, because it's too critical of yourself 
about being that ideal. And again, that's why I'm kind of have been centering around if you find that true affinity to where you like yourself when you're with that person because you like them so much, then you can start to let go of that ideal a little bit because part of the fear and part of the reason that ideal is there is if I don't do this, I won't like myself or I won't be liked. There's a fear of the loss of that affinity, that, that self-liking and being liked if that ideal isn't upheld. But when you true, find that true liking, then you realize that that ideal has nothing to do with it. That it has to do with just a real raw connection of heart to heart, really. Uh, soul, soul to soul type thing. It's an energy connection with a person. It's a chemistry, maybe. or a, uh, There's a little different ways to express that. But once you find that true connection, uh, the ideal kind of goes out. The window, and it, you know, it's funny because uh, being a parent, when you have a child, that's when you really realize that. Because once you have that child, nothing else matters. That it doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter what you have to put up with. There's this connection that stays regardless. And um, you know, in that depth of a connection, I think you probably only do experience with a child. With a mate, though, you know, you kind of get as close as you can to that <laughs> level of affinity. So I guess one approach to the to really that is sitting down and looking at yourself in terms of the reasons, questioning why you're picking a certain person, or if you've already got the person there, why is it you would want to commit to a relationship with them? Is it because they match this ideal? Is it purely physical? Or is there at least some... Because there should be both of those, but is there at the core some true affinity? Mm-hmm. Um, that that if those other two didn't exist, that would still be there. Yeah. Because if you're picking some a long-term, like a mate, you grow old. You get stressed out by life. Mm-hmm. Put on weight. A lot of things happen that the only thing that's going to sustain through that then has to be the this other part of the connection, which I don't see that you've really had with someone yet because you've been involved in the other energies that are saying they're more important and and appear to be more important. And in some ways we're told that. Find a man that can be a good provider, do this, that. The other thing that's this this is ideal uh, when, in fact, uh, the way life goes, a lot of those things will change over the course of time. They won't ever stay that way. So that's kind of a big thing that you're in, in terms of relationships. But one of the the core things where I started was that you are so much of a healer and so much of a solver that rather than look for, um, say, that true affinity or even the ideal, sometimes you, you look for what isn't right and then tr- just go, okay, well, I'll fix that. And so it's, it's almost like finding, um, like it's okay to find a man who's broken with the idea that you'll fix it and you'll get it right and then it'll work versus saying, well, I'll find someone that I have this affinity with and then we'll build something together. It's just a different energy approach, but that's kind of built into how you 
do other things too. I mean, a job. I mean, that would work in a job. It's oh yeah, look, give me a you know if you're say you're in some type of management. Oh yeah, give me a place that's broken and I'll fix it. I'll get it working. I'll get it making money. I'll get new employees that are excited. I'll do whatever, and that's great. So it's a tremendous ability on the one side, but when it comes to who you want to live with, it's not so good because then you end up with something that actually might not get fixed because what you might be seeing is broken might just be that person, <laughs> just the way they are. <laughs> and so they might be going, well, why would I fix that? That's me. <laughs> if you don't, you know, if you, if you don't like that, then don't be with me because that's me. So, so anyway, that, that's, it's not to say that that ability is bad. It's just where you apply it and realizing that that's a perspective you very easily take is being the fixer. And I think that might be part of what you're calling type A, too. Is mm-hmm. it, it has to be fixed and brought up to this perfection. Mm-hmm. That's, like I say, a very good ability in one way. But the downside is the relationship side and the self-criticism and mm-hmm. that comes with that. And a lot of your confidence issues come from that constant self-criticism mm-hmm. that, that erodes at your... You know, you're not giving yourself a pep talk all the time. To build your confidence, you're giving yourself the opposite, which erodes your confidence. So even if you get a a moment of confidence, rather than sit in that and build on that, you'll kind of look for what's not right and focus on that and erode that away. So there there is that kind of issue that's more internal, but it certainly then affects how you'll act in a relationship or with the person or in a job setting or anywhere. It it affects that. Do you, what kind of work do you do? I work in alumni relations for Northern Illinois University. Oh, cool. Event planning and maintaining relationships. Oh yeah, that would be, is it fun? Do you like that? Because that would be a a creative thing for you to do and like, you know, use all those abilities. Mm bring things together and create them. And, oh, that's cool. So you'd like to just kind of so-so with it? or? I do like it. I um, I work my boss. I've known him for a long time. I went to school with him. Uh-huh. And I love people that I work with, um, which is kind of frustrating sometimes because my boss is a workaholic. Mm. And he's kind of made that choice for everybody else in the office to be as well because he just gives us such a big role that oh, right. it's hard to... Uh, de-stress a lot. You could be a workaholic, though. Yeah. Easily. Easily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially, I guess, if you were in charge, maybe it's easier than to be the workaholic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you're being given the work, it's like, ah, come on. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to just start to go through your aura a little bit. In a sense, I've been reading your aura, but I've been reading a real specific uh, part of it, and, and where I was really started to read was this energy that sets your overall tone or perspective. And I'm going like this because it's up on your crown chakra. It's where you tend to vibrate your energy, and it sets an overall tone and an overall perspective in terms of what you look for in the world, how you kind of you know relate to it. So anyway, that that's kind of. You know, there, there's this like, like some people have rose-colored glasses on where they see everything as perfect. They're kind of a little Pollyannish, and they see everything as perfect. And you 
see everything in with more of a critical eye of what's not working with the ideal that you know you could there could be rose color it could be perfect but it's out in the future and so you're you're fixing towards a perfection where some people just kind of go around oh everything's fine and lovely and beautiful as it is and you know neither one's better or worse than the other because neither one's really true you know it's Obviously, everything's not just fine, but that's a perspective one can have. And truly, everything's not going to be perfect in the future. But that's certainly a worthy goal to work towards. So there, you know, and the only reason I'm going there is what I've been describing is a certain perspective that you carry based on your energy and your nature as a spirit. But you know, I read this great quote the other day in um, a magazine that said. Something along the lines of, we truly grow up and mature the first time we have a really good laugh at ourselves. And, and in one way, all of this stuff I'm talking about is great. It's powerful ability. It's tremendous. But in another way, we have to kind of learn to step back from it and kind of laugh at ourselves and say, you know, is it really the big, you know, yeah. answer to life? And is it really even true? Too yes, exactly. And and part of that seriousness, that focusedness, is that kind of fixing it uh-huh. mentality. And the more you can re- recognize that in yourself and laugh at it a little bit, and laugh at yourself for taking that so seriously, when in a very legitimate way there is this other, totally other perspective that would just say, "Oh, everything's wonderful," and be totally laid back. Right. And you know, one's not better than the other. So you can be yourself, but not take yourself too seriously being that and learn to laugh at yourself a little bit and that's it because that serious energy that intensity while it is great for getting things done i mean i imagine if you put on an event it it happens there's nothing that doesn't happen in that event that you had planned because that intensity makes that happen whereas this other perspective i'm using to to kind of create contrast if I put on an event and I'm real laid back, well, some of this stuff may or may not happen. We planned it, but, you know, they didn't show up. Well, it's still a great event. But not at your event. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> so that seriousness and that intensity works to make things happen, but it also stresses you tremendously. It's really self-destructive in many ways in terms of the self-criticism and self-pressure you put yourself under and the stress you create for yourself. Mm -hmm. So learning to kind of have that, but in an amused way, Mm -hmm. would really help you in terms of your own, well, mental, emotional, and physical health over time, because certainly stress is an intense thing that that works against our physical health even, Mm -hmm. even. So that's just something that, by no, you know, a reading doesn't really change you or fix you so much. It hopefully enlightens you about some things and brings them to light so that you can start to change mm-hmm. those things that you want to change sure. or at least gain enough perspective about some of the other things that you can't change. That's just the way you are to get a little space from them yeah. and say, okay, I'm just being this because it's kind of in my nature or it's how I like to be, but I don't have to be totally serious about it. Right. I can have a little room to. To not be it some days, you know, to not have to be it all the time. And and that's what I would say this ability is in, is it's a powerful ability, but 
to try to be that way all the time is a tremendous pressure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that that, in terms of your energy and the, the flow in your aura, one of the things that that tends to do is keep your energy flowing in a certain direction mm-hmm. that doesn't really create the things that you want because it's flowing to the things that kind of aren't right, you know, are, are more of a critical eye. So a lot of your energy is caught up in fixing versus creating what you want. So it's um, it's kind of taking the car that's all banged up and going, okay, I'm going to repair this and bondo it up and do whatever they do, because I'm not an auto person, do whatever they do to the car versus going, well, I'm just going to create a new one. So by shifting your energy to more just creating the new thing, uh, then you start to bring new things into your life versus trying to fi- always be fixing the old thing. And partly how you do that is just it's it's awareness and it's kind of a conscious choice. And, it, and it, a lot of ways what it comes down to is asking yourself questions, kind of the, a different question perhaps. So one of the questions might be, you know, if I have something broken, it's, well, how do I fix it? What do I need to do to fix this? Versus... Well, forget about that. What do I just want to create and have? And what, what's my ideal? Not from the perfect ideal, but just, you know, what would I like, enjoy creating and just start to focus your attention on that question. What do I want to create? Um, so that it comes into my world that way. In other words, it's not something I'm going to have to fix. It's going to come up, show up that way, whether it's a man or a job or whatever. It just shows up the way you want it. You create it versus looking for that thing that's close and will have to do a little work, but it's good enough. It's, it's kind of a different take, which is, well, what's the thing that will just be what I want and create that? And like I said, the only way I know how to relate how to do that is asking the questions of yourself in a different way. It's kind of like changing that self-criticism well the only way to really do this not that you can stop that it's that you have to start praising yourself and building yourself up and looking for the things that are going right and self-talking about that because mm-hmm. you can't just shut off that mm-hmm. criticism it's a, process. it's a process of changing over to positive because shutting off that criticism would be akin to me saying okay well why don't you shut your eyes right now and think of nothing Stop all thoughts running through your head. Well, you can't. There's no way. Mm-hmm. So what you so you know a lot of people get stuck on meditation because they think that's what they have to do, and it's like no, you just have to change the thought to different mm-hmm. thoughts. So if you imagine it like you know a river of thoughts flowing, and one river, one stream is criticism, but there's another stream over here, smaller that is like self-love and validation, you have to kind of start to move over to the other stream and you have to start to feed that one. And and it is a process. But but you can't just stop the other one. It's not going to do. That's not going to happen. What what will happen is you'll try to stop it and it won't and now you've got one more thing to criticize yourself about. Mm-hmm. You, you add to it actually. And, and so that's another, just kind of talking to how would you change that in yourself? Because you know that's there and it creates stress for you and pressure and, and certainly creates frustration in a relationship because you're down on yourself. 
And the only way to do it is to start to create what you do want. And so self-talking in a positive way would be the way to change that particular thing. Or consciously looking, when you find yourself looking at a situation and automatically going to what's wrong, step back from that and say, okay, well, what's right? And, you know, and the funny thing is, because we do tend to get so serious and, and tunnel vision, that if you truly step back and look at what's right, you probably find there's way more things that are right than the things that are wrong in any given situation. You know, you're throwing an event, maybe it's an event where there's a lot of vendors or booths there, and there's supposed to be 100 and only 96 show up, and you spend all your time and stressed about the missing four, well, there's 96 that are there. That's a lot more than the four that aren't, and yet the four that aren't could ruin your experience or your perception of the success of the event because you get stuck on it and that's all you see but if you step back and went well okay what is right about this well there's 96 things right and only four wrong Mm -hmm. that's a pretty big percentage you know pretty big difference yet you could get stuck on the four and focus on that and go this thing was a whole bust. this was a bust Mm -hmm. i failed this was a failure really there's 96 things that worked only four that fail. So, so that's kind of that difference where by changing that perspective, you actually change the whole experience that you will have through the event, in this case event, and, and afterwards looking back, you change the whole evaluation. And that's a tough thing to do, but it certainly um, you know, has its merits for doing it because it will change your whole thing. And the same thing in a relationship. There might be three things that aren't working, but if you really step back, you know, there might be a hundred that are. And so are those three things, unless they're true deal breakers in a relationship like infidelity or, you know, addiction or something that you have decided is a deal breaker, unless they're those three things, then, you know, why not focus on the other hundred that are working? Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of this very almost critical eye of energy that you have that is the healer. It seeks out what needs to be fixed. So it's a positive thing that can get used in a negative way. Did you break up with your boyfriend? Yes. I feel like the reason I was parents got divorced was because my dad was always looking for this ideal woman. Um, More in terms of beauty and I just feel like um, my mom maybe wasn't that, and I look a lot like my mom and um, my body and everything. And so I end up getting into these relationships with guys who I feel are more like my dad, and um, I just don't see you know, what they really want. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of, I'm going to say, funny in an odd sort of way because that's what I've been describing that you are doing. There's this division between the, and so that's what you end up attracting too as Uh well is a a person who's kind of doing matches up on that level Uh of, so he's not the ideal. Maybe for you, it's not about looks and physical stuff. It's about behavior or the way he treats you or whatever. But so he's not the ideal and that, gets reflected, you get attracted to the same thing where you're not the ideal. Right. And so you're both there 
kind of make the other person something they're not, the ideal. Mm-hmm. And um, that is, you know, that's just another reason why you would want to change that in yourself because it's not an accident that you get attract that you attract guys like that. It's mm-hmm. because you're you have that same energy. That's the thing that you connect up on. It's true. And so, in the beginning, you connect up on that, and it seems fine. But over time, it becomes wearing to each other mm-hmm. to be under that kind of energy or scrutiny or pressure all the time. Right. And so, once you change that in yourself then you'll attract a person who doesn't have that in them either. And so they won't be coming from that Mm -hmm. uh, perspective uh, with you. And so, yeah, for guys, it's more about physical stuff. They're a little more surface. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's the same principle of it has to do with this person isn't where they... They aren't the ideal, but maybe we can get them there. (laughs) And so... Right, so there's always something you have to change, but yeah. but that's happening the other way too. It's just right. for him, it's probably behavior, or it's probably yeah. attitude, or it's the way he talks to you, or so. It's not physical, so right. you know you can be fat or whatever, but just don't talk to me that way, or don't act that way, yeah. or don't do this. And so it's really the same thing, actually. Mm-hmm. It's, it's cha- trying to change that other person. It's just different right. things that are important to men versus women, yeah. and the only way to not attract that is to not be that. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so tough sometimes to really change and get a different relationship is because that relationship is really a reflection of me, what I'm being. That's what I attract and then that's what gets created. And so the only way to attract something different is to be something different. And that's and tough. To not look through that. Well, it's also not wanted. It's not to say you have no expectations. It's just to say that you expect that to show, it shows up that way. It's not something that you're going to try to fix in the relationship. So you, you do set your criteria. So it's not to say, oh gee, I just, you know, want some boorish, uh, you know, guy that's going to be a jerk. It's to say, no, I want this. And then, attract that and say, okay, that's enough. I don't have to fix it. I don't have to, you know, change it beyond that. That's not where the energy is set. It's set at getting this true connection and liking and then creating together. So it's not certainly not to say lower your expectations. It's to say really define them and get those from the beginning so that you're not creating a relationship that's broken and needs to be fixed. You're creating a relationship that is what you want. And it may break over time and have to be fixed because this life, you know, things might happen. But that's different than starting out from broken, trying to get fixed because you never get fixed. And he'll be trying to fix you at the same time and change you. And so then it's not going to work. I have have trouble asking myself questions. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people just seem to be able to analyze themselves very easily. And when I sit and try and think of how to fix things sometimes or how to move myself so that I can attract the things that I want. Mm-hmm. I have trouble figuring out exactly what I want and just knowing what questions to ask myself. 
Well, there's a couple of things with that, and one I think has to do with that critical. So, so the type of questions you start to ask are kind of loaded. So rather than um, saying, well, what's the relationship I would love to have? You might ask yourself, why can't I get the right relationship? Which is basically insinuating, why am I so stupid that I can't get create the right relationship? Well, you can't really answer that question because, well, actually you can. What happens is, yeah, your brain will answer it, but it will make up stuff that, you know, leads down a road of criticism. So it's changing the questions more to a positive in the beginning when you first ask them because what will happen is you'll start to ask them in a negative way and then you can't really stay with that in terms of, uh, you know, getting to knowing what you want because you aren't asking what do I want. You're asking why can't I do this or in a sense what do I don't want versus stepping back and asking the other side, which is, what do I want? You might have to, you know, it might not be something that you can sit down and self-reflect and just do it all in your head. You might have to be someone that writes it as well, mm-hmm. the answers, because you need that thing to keep it connected and to make it real and to stay out of that negative. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, what one thing you might do is sit down and write the questions first. So today, you know, is the day that I'm going to spend an hour and just figure out what questions I want to ask myself. I'm not going to try and answer them. I'm not even going to evaluate them yet. I'm just going to write them out as they come to me. And then tomorrow, maybe I'll evaluate them and cut out the ones that are negative or seem unproductive. And then maybe the next day, I'll start to try to answer them. Because what happens once you ask them, really, is you you immediately start to answer them on a subconscious level. So you'll start to get these insights. So by the third day, when you actually try to answer them, they'll already have been answered, really, in your subconscious part of you. So that's one way to do it. There's a lot of different ways, but it's really kind of breaking out of just it being in your head and turning into a a self-flogging session of what you're doing wrong. You have to turn it around. So the other thing that would change that, before you even ask, any questions is to start trying to do more positive self-talk and go down that path a little bit. Then start to ask the questions, what do you want? Because it's really hard to know what you want when there's so much criticism going on um, that would say you can't have what you want, basically, uh, or you're not worth worthy of it, or you're not. So it's hard to even really ask that question of what you want if it's going to get squelched right away. In fact, we're kind of afraid, and in many ways we won't ask it, because I'm not going to destroy my hope, you know, or my dream. And, and if I do bring that true question or that true relationship in, when I'm not ready to have it, I'm going to end up destroying it. So I won't even let myself go there. I'll protect myself from that, in a sense. So, so definitely, um, it, it's, it is a difficult thing to do. You're right, some people can do it easily enough. I don't even know if it's easy. But they probably had somewhere in their life something that kind of supported that process or taught them how to do it. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't have that, you, you kind of have to do it the long way. You have to 
maybe write it out. You have to put some true time and effort into it. Where others can be very self-reflective in an easy way. Meditation really is meant to help with that. It's meant to quiet us, get us out of all those other streams of thinking into kind of a neutral place of reflection. And then ask those questions. So that's another route too, is to practice some form of meditation so that you can get to a place to ask those questions, i.e. meditate on them. And um, that's a part, you know, that's something that like is taught here, a particular type of meditation. There's a lot out there. You have to kind of look for what you're drawn to in terms of the type of meditation. Um, Because some are quieting oneself quieting your mind, that might not work for you, so it might be hard to do. Uh This type is more visualization, so it's re-channeling your energy. It's not trying to quiet everything. It's redirecting it. But but as I look through your energy and, and on the subject of relationship, really until you change that approach that you're coming from, I don't think you'll find a relationship where you don't feel criticized in it, you know, where you don't feel under that um, pressure or, or scrutiny of that you're not the, being the ideal, yeah. that you should change. And so and, until you change that, even if you find the right guy for you, so to speak, it won't work for you, the relationship, because that will just over time, destroy it, you know, that constant kind of pressure Mm -hmm. will uh, make you uncomfortable and not like it. So so that's really the big issue. Well, you have a lot to give. Mm -hmm. You have a tremendous capacity to to give and, and that healer part of you. And so once that's taken out of criticism, that healer part of you is this really powerful force of creation and giving and growing and all these real positive things. So in a sense, it's almost like there's this, I see you and there's there's this image of this um, man, like your soulmate. It's like he's waiting for you, you know, energetically. It's like when you get your energy to that place, then there he is. He's kind of waiting for you. So I don't see it being this big, long search as much as being this inner growth that has to happen first. It's not like you have to search the four corners of the world to find this guy. It's that you have to go within and, and kind of change. And, but it's not to fix yourself, not to become the ideal, but change your energy so that you can match up with this guy that's already kind of right there. And I don't mean right there in that you already know him, but right there that there's this energy of, this match in this guy. So it's not as far away as you think. Although, at least in terms of the guy part of it, so the kind of important other side of it, but it could, in terms of changing your, you're working on yourself, that could be, you know, a real short amount of time. It could be a lifetime. It, it depends on you changing that part of yourself and committing to it. And the re- it can be a moment, because all it really is is making a decision. But usually it takes us a while to gather enough awareness and information about where I am to make that decision, to change. So the actual change part is 
momentarily, the what you might call soul searching part takes a little time. And again, I mean, I say lifetime to just over dramatize it, but you know, it could take six months, it could take a year of just kind of really focusing. Well, what kind of person do I want to be in a relationship? And um, what do I want to bring to the relationship? What do I want to give to a relationship? You know, how do I want to? And then say, okay, now who do I want to be the person who can receive that from me? Who can participate and play in that um, arena with me? Or, you know, in that world can be a part of this world of what I want. And just open yourself up to having that come in, and it'll be there, you know, pretty easily, I think. But because I don't see you having any trouble attracting that, it's just that what you end up attracting isn't what you want. Mm -hmm. And so you'll be in it for a while, and you go, well, I want this. Right. And so once you... You want to kind of figure all that other stuff out before you open yourself up to attracting. Because if you open yourself up to attracting, you know, you, you could go out and hook up with a guy today. You know, you could meet someone and go start talking and go, wow, you know, it's, you know, it's that easy for you. But it won't be the right one. Right. It'll just be another one of the same. But you do see like a soulmate in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, most definitely. Yeah, and he's, like, I, the reason I say he's waiting is because he's kind of standing right there. And um, so, and when I say a soulmate, what I'm really looking at is that, well, like the word defines, I guess, before you took the body, as souls, you were friends. You know, you knew each other. He said, well, let's go take some bodies and meet up. And, um, you know, that's easy in theory, but then when we get in the world, it gets messy and it's tougher to meet up than we might have thought. So he's right there, but, you know, he might as well be on the other side of the world until, and he's, and it's not to say it's all on your shoulders because he's growing and changing too. So he's right there as a spirit, but he might be going through his own stuff to try to get to meet you. And, um, so, so I'm not trying to make it like it's your fault that you aren't meet, meeting up, because it's not. It's that both of you are trying to get to the place to meet up and connect and have that connection. You know, and it's not to say that that soulmate, that it's going to be a perfect life, because life is life. The same stuff that's keeping, making it hard for you to meet up is going to be challenges in life together that we all have. But that that connection, that meeting up, is really going to, um, you know, resonate so deeply with the two of you. That I mean, you'll know that it's like that's the connection, that's who you've been looking for. But you're still trying to get to that place to have that. In other words, you can meet up with him today, and you go, I don't want that guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's not, not who I'm looking for because of these filters that I've been reading. You would, you would look through those filters and you'd go, not him. And it could be him. But that's why you're working on clearing those, those filters so that when you do meet him, you can actually recognize it. And he's doing the same thing. And I don't see it being as far away as it might appear to you in terms of finding that connection, that soulmate. And I'm just guessing, but sometimes when you come out of a relationship, 
it seems kind of far away before you might, you know, and, and so, you know, it might be a year or two, but I mean, it's not that far away that it might appear just coming out of a relationship. And, you know, you mentioned spirit guides and you do have a spirit guide and it's not so much in relation to the soulmate. Uh, you do have a spirit guide over you or kind of right here above your head. So it'd be like right here in relation to you. It's a female spirit guide. It's very feminine energy. And that spirit guide is someone who could help you in this growth, these changes you're working on in yourself. Because that spirit guide is, you know, it's non-critical. It, it's a supportive voice. And that would be one of the ways that you could, one of the ways you would know if you're talking to it or not is if it ever criticizes you, you would know you're not actually talking to it. You're talking to either a part of yourself or some other thing. Um, because this is a very much a supportive vibration that even in the midst of turmoil or failure, if you were to talk to this, it would be a soothing energy and voice that would say, you know, it's okay, we, we, you can get through this and we'll do this and, you know, do this and it's going to work out. And it'd be just really supportive and, and soothing. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's very, very feminine vibration. And that's something that you, and it's actually, vibrates at, um, it would be like what I would call a healing guide in many ways. It's there to help heal. That's why it's so soothing. So it's not like a, um, oh, a teacher guide might be a little more pushy of go, grow, do this, you know, I'm more of a coach. This is more of a healer. So it's more of a soothing thing that you could use, call on, start to talk to and foster that communication and use that guide to heal yourself now, but ultimately it could even be used to help heal others because that guide, while connected to you uh, by agreement and uh, knowing of you, it, its desire to, for healing isn't limited to you. It extends to the world. So, it, you know, it has this much broader picture. So it... Some guides do. This one looks like one that you've had this whole lifetime. So it looks like one that would stick around. Um, sometimes that changes. Sometimes you outgrow them. Sometimes there's a set thing that <clears throat> you know you have them to help you achieve, and once you get it, they move on. Uh, this looks pretty strong, though, like it's with you forever. Do they have a name? Um, yes, and but that's something that really if if you start to talk to and work with guides that's something for them to give you so that you it's within your connection with them um, the name that i might identify with it would probably be different just because of where i'm looking from because it has to come through our filter our own filters so you know even as a reader I'll, i have those and so i might say well who are you to that guide and you know she might be a guide that maybe I knew her too in a past life, and so that name might pop up. Uh, but you definitely had some past lives with this guide. It's been with you. Actually, it looks like it's been with you as a guide before this lifetime even, which is why I'm suspecting it will stay with you throughout this lifetime, because it looks like it's been with you for a couple of lifetimes, um, helping you. So I have one before. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. 
You know, there's a couple of lifetimes that jump out where you've lived before, and one of them has a lot to do with water. There's just a lot of water images in it. And so probably you lived by water or you were out on the water a lot. Interesting. It's, um, and water, it's like the ocean. It gives me the sense of, like, I used to live in California and near the ocean, and it's like that, the air of it. So it's not so much water like swimming, it's, but it's like that feel of being around the water and the water sustaining life. It's this whole energy of water in it. So, yeah, it's not so much like swimming sure. fear. It's the life-giving energy vibration and the energy of the flow and the vibration of water is what's in there. Um, so that's what's more about when I say water, it's not like, oh, you were a champion swimmer or, you know, you went abalone diving all the time or something. It's you really were in that element in that lifetime. So if you think of the four or five elements, whatever it is, that water was that element for that lifetime. Everything was very flowing. Everything was, you know, kind of that, like the ocean air, very kind of, I don't know, soft and revitalizing and just this, it has that feel to it. And I would say in that lifetime, you were a healer and that's part of the water vibration. There, There's a healing quality to that, that you drew on a lot in that lifetime. So you were a healer through that water element you were more a healer of, you weren't like a doctor that fixed what was already wrong. You were more like a, a healer that helped things flow the right way. So like prevention, you know, you were aware of prevention like long before, you know, it was in the doctor's ideas. Um, so rather than be the, the fix it after the fact person, you were Here's how you live your life so that it flows correctly. So there's this real kind of, um, you know, maybe even almost a Buddhist quality to it. Although I don't see you being in that culture in this in this particular life, uh, you have some of what I would kind of draw from that mentality and that philosophy. Mm-hmm. This real flow and this real. Uh, so you were probably some pagan healer or something, you know, like midwife or and and but it wasn't just birth moment that you were concerned with it was the flow of then that person's life you really helped them with it throughout their life so really a strong healer which is interesting because it it's a contrast to the type of healer you're being now which is more the fix-it person and yet in that other life you were being the um, you know everything's fine it'll work out here's how you help make it flow in the way so that it can work out. Mm-hmm. So there's a different perspective. So that's partly why you're looking at this lifetime. Is you're looking at you as a healer and the different ways that can be expressed and you're really drawing on that lifetime to bring some of that. Because being totally that way is out of balance and being totally the fix-it way is out of balance. You're looking to balance those two. So you're more of a fire healer now and you were a water healer then, and you're looking for the balance of those two because they both have merits. And you have to use both to be the maximum, most effective healer because you're going to get both types of situations that call for it. So that's why you're looking at that other type of he- being a healer in a different way, or where you were, uh, that and very successful with it. 
but you couldn't fix you weren't the fire healer you couldn't come in and take over a situation and change it you had to start way before it happened and hope the flow the force of the flow would get a person through it that is a whole different kind of way to look at things so you wouldn't fight what was going on you tried to create the flow of energy so that it never occurred even though it would occur because it always things always happen um so so you're Balancing between those two. And you were a female in that lifetime as well. So that's a lot of your pictures about being a healer are expressed through a female body. A lot of your experience with that, being that, is through a female body. I'm guessing, if I know, when the early Middle Ages, when did the Middle Ages start, though? So 1200s, maybe? 13, 11, something like that. Although I don't see you in the midst of any great turmoil. You were in a small little kind of village type thing that was not in the midst of some big political or religious turmoil at the time. It all looks peaceful. And that's why that flow, and you could really explore that water side of healing because there wasn't a lot of fire going on. It was calm and peaceful already. Partly the reason you chose to really focus on the fire side of being a healer now is because there's a whole set, and since most many of your lifetimes, all the ones that you're looking at and showing me are in female bodies, there's a whole set of power pictures that are missing, power cons- considerations about being powerful as a healer or powerful as a creator through a body that are missing uh, because like that water... There was no power in it. In other words, you couldn't come in and change something after the fact. You had to prepare for it ahead of time and hope that you had prepared enough to survive it or get through it, it which is a certain type of power, but it's not powerful sensation. And so being this fire healer is all about coming into and having expressing your power. And as you find that balance, what you'll probably start to find is how much power there truly is in the other side, too. It's just a different kind of power. It's not a male power. It's a very feminine, female power. And that fire healer that you're being now really reflects a lot of the qualities of what one might consider male power. Um, so you can kind of overpower men energetically in the way you're being now. And when you find that mix for yourself, that blend of that feminine, your own feminine power, your own male power, then you'll have your true power because it'll be balanced. And and that's going to be really strong. And, you know, one of the probably most important applications of that will be uh, if you decide to have children and raising children to become from that balance of nurturing healing power. To be... No, but be the nurturing side and the tough love side together. And that will be truly where you can express that balance of power. You're, right now, you're still looking for that balance of power. Now you're more on the fire side where you're blowing people out with your power. Uh, even strong men will tremble and whimper if you focus that power on them. <laughs> that's, it's very strong. Yeah, and, and that's great. I mean, you should have that. But you've got this other power that is equally strong, but soft, and you're looking to balance those. 
they see visions of my future, they see being a writer. Mm-hmm. And, um, okay, this has to be the last question. Go ahead. I don't know if you saw any. Um, not so much because I was really focused so much on that relationship issue and just your, your energy. Um, through, you know, you could most definitely be. Certainly that healer side of you, that fire side, and both of those have, and this guide actually too, all of them have something to communicate, something to share beyond yourself into the world. And certainly being a writer is an effective way to express that. To share that. I mean, there's other ways you could go on a lecture circuit or whatever, but if, if you have that in you to write, if you like it writing, then that would be a great medium to do it. But yeah, each of these parts have the desire to express beyond themselves or beyond a family, you know, in a bigger sense. And they, and they have something to say, both that spirit guide and you in these two balancing of powers and coming to terms with both of those and bringing them together. So there's there's this whole balance thing where you tend to be an all or nothing person and you're, you're that way as a spirit too. So you were all one way in this life and there's a couple others and then you're all this way in this one and you're going, how do I blend all these? Because really life is about that blending, not one way or the other. I mean, you know, when you look out at the world, you've got that blending and that diversity. It's not this, it's not black and white, basically. And the spirit guide has the power to bring it all together. The spirit guide doesn't have the power to do it. She's there to help you and support you in doing that, yes. Because she's a healer and that she's real feminine but very strong. She already has that, that blended. She already has those answers. So that's why she's there to help you find them. Yeah, because when I look at her, it's like pure femininity, but I sure wouldn't want to cross her. You know, in other words, she's got that power and that softness of uh, nurturing. And so they're both together in her. Yes, you're welcome. Welcome. Friends, let's end today's episode with a prayer. Dear God, as we stand here at the threshold of a new year, we come to you humble in gratitude and hopeful in our hearts. We ask you to bless this world and every person in it with your endless love and abundance. We call upon your angels to extend their wings over every soul. May they touch every life, bringing healing where there is pain, strength where there is weakness, and infinite abundance in every area of every life. In this time of global reflection and anticipation, we pray earnestly for peace, peace within our own hearts, peace within our homes, peace across every land. Let hope rise and let love prevail, binding us in our shared humanity and interconnectedness. We ask for special care and protection for the children of our world. May they grow in a nurturing environment, shielded from harm and surrounded by care. Their laughter and their dreams are the seeds of a promising future. And we ask that each are blessed with every opportunity to thrive. 
God, guide us to be creators of our own harmonious world. Help us to become beacons of your energy and spread your love now and always. As we step into this next chapter of our lives, empower us to live in alignment with our soul. Find joy in each moment and embrace the beauty of life's journey. May we each walk in confidence and faith knowing that with your divine guidance, anything is possible. May our hearts overflow with gratitude and our minds be filled with positive, loving thoughts. In this spirit of optimism and renewal, we step boldly into our future, ready to create, love, and thrive. In this we pray, amen. Friends, if you'd like to support this podcast, book a session with me or join my Angel Reiki School, where I'll help you develop all of your unique spiritual gifts and use them to serve. Visit theangelmedium.com or use the link in the show notes to book a discovery call with me personally. Thank you for being here. I love you.